Welcome back to the Get Smart With Money podcast. I'm your host, Dana Hernandez. I was born and raised in the San Francisco Bay Area and worked at a grocery store for almost 10 years. Back then, I didn't know what I should have been doing with the money I was making, but if I had, things would be a lot different for me. Luckily, being a financial planner now in life, I'm getting myself on track, and now I'm on a mission to help others get ahead financially too. I know the struggles, and I'm in this with you. Thank you, and enjoy the show. Hi, welcome back, everyone. I have a very special guest here today. His name is Clint Callahan. He is a social worker and therapist and venturing into life coaching. Welcome, Clint. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I am I am venturing to life coaching. It should be something interesting. It's definitely changed my perspective on how to do therapy and how to be a social worker. I've been doing that for about 23 years, and life coaching just seemed like the natural evolution into it because I just want to try to help more people. I want them to understand that if you're stuck and if you're not feeling like you're getting what you want out of life, that you can make changes. And I've been there. Um, I guess a little bit about my story. So when I was born, I weighed one pound, 15 ounces. So that is very small. Um, this mm-hmm. was 47 years ago. So I didn't have a lot of really, it wasn't really likely that I was going to be around. So I'm lucky to be normal, whatever that means. Um, so I, I found my mom's diary and she was telling me, and it was in the diary that she said that one of the hardest things was that when I would try to touch him in the incubator, he would flinch away. And I didn't realize until a lot later that that actually impacted the rest of my life. Cause my body remembered the first six months of my life being in an incubator was nothing but pain was doctors and surgeries and all those kind of things. And it made me really adverse to people touching me and those kind of things throughout my life which then got healed thanks to lots of therapy and stuff later, which we can talk about that. Um, another thing that I went through was bullying a lot as a kid from about elementary school on until like actually all the way up until the first uh, freshman year of college. I was bullied a lot by in a way that was not really unique, but it was very confusing, which led me into going into being a therapist. Because when I was with my friends as a group, it was I was the target. When I was with them individually, it was easy and fun and we could connect and all the kind of stuff. But then that very stuff that we did would then be used against me when we would get back together as a group. So it made it extra confusing, which made me want to figure out why, you know, why? Because the thing about I love about people is we all start the same. But to get to where we are today is a billion, trillion different stories and a billion different ways of thinking, feeling the story we tell ourselves, the story we adopt from other people that have told us about who we are, who we should be, who we could be, and then also what we tell ourselves. And those things combined create who we are as people for good or for worse. Wow. That's really interesting. So you were a really tiny preemie. Really tiny preemie. I think the lowest I got was like one pound, seven ounces. Oh my God. Yeah, I know. Like literally there's a picture where my dad is holding me literally in the palm of his hand, like about that big. It's just wild thinking that, you know, and it's, you know, the hardest thing for them was that reading my mom's journal um, was really difficult because I found it after she uh, passed away from committing suicide when I was 29 And I found it in the back of my baby book. And when I read it, it, I really saw just the struggle and the hope and the fear and the pain 
that they went through with what was supposed to be this magical thing. And, but also the amazing thing was she was supposed to be on a plane the next day to her family farm. So if I would have waited two days, I would not be here because it's right. in the middle of nowhere with a town of 3000 people. And they happened to be living in uh, Minneapolis, uh, St. Paul, when uh, my dad, when my, when my dad was getting his, uh, his graduate degree. So we happened to be near one of the top children's hospitals at the time. And it just, all these, all these happen to be right. And it's yeah, those things that make up your life. Wow. That's interesting. The universe is always at work for sure. Yes, it is. Whether <laughs> we want it to be or not, it kind of does yeah. what it wants. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's, it's a character that universe. Yes, it is. <laughs> yeah. So when you said you were bullied as a kid, I remembered being bullied myself as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, but from just one person in my family from about mm-hmm. five years old to, I would say about 15 years yeah. old until one day I was just like, that is enough. And I completely mm-hmm. just cut all ties. I stopped talking to her completely. Yeah. Um, she turned a few friends against me as well yeah. and they would pick on me as well. And that's yeah, the hard thing fun. about bullying, right? Is the scars that you carry from bullying usually are not physical. They can be, but most of the time it's those emotional scars that make you question you, who Mm -hmm. you are as a human being, your worth as a person, those kind of things, right? Like we were talking about just before we started, like the big T trauma versus little T trauma. And that's the thing is the only person that gets to decide what kind of trauma it is, is you. For another person, that might've been a little T trauma. For you, it might be a big T trauma, but everybody makes a distinction. And the way I look at big T trauma and little T trauma. And so it is person dependent. That's the thing. And that's the thing that most people need to recognize is when it comes to therapy, life coaching, all those different kinds of things, it has, there's nothing but individual response. So a hundred people can all come to therapy. A hundred people can all take your life coaching course, and you're going to get a hundred different variations of the way that what they're going to get out of it. And which piece is going to really resonate with them. And that's the most important thing is at least you try. At least you do something to try to move beyond the thing that is making you feel stuck. And it's one of the hardest things, especially, again, when it comes to bullying, because that makes you doubt yourself. It makes you doubt your ability to understand, estimate, recognize, and decide who deserves to be in my life. Why does this person keep turning on me? Because luckily for me... My biggest bully is my best friend now. He has been my best friend since I was in kindergarten. And he was also my biggest bully throughout those years, which is crazy, right? Mm-hmm. I've now known him for over 40 years and I've watched him through everything. We've, we've been each other's best man. We've helped each other through loss, through marriage, through divorce, through death, through all kinds of stuff, through having kids and raising kids and all the things. And what happened for him was he went to college and he was used to being a big fish in a small pond because we grew up in the Black Hills of South Dakota. So small, small town stuff. And then he went to California and went to school there and was just basically taken down multiple pegs. And because of that, he recognized, oh, wow, I was really lucky to have this person in my life, which was me. Mm -hmm. And it was one of those kind of things where it's surprising. Sometimes it can surprise you. Again, universe, right? It does weird things sometimes like that. And so I've been really lucky to have him in my life still to this day. And it's, but at the same time, it's also like he and I had a 
big falling out and we had a lot of conversations and we had a lot of healing and a lot of things that we had to do too in order to get back on track again. But it's one of those things that sometimes you don't get that, but if you do take it because you never know when you're going to lose somebody. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. I've actually been trying to narrow down where, where and why I Mm -hmm. started to feel like I like there, I have a block because I want to be yeah. successful in my business. Mm-hmm. I'm in financial services. I want to help yeah. as many families as possible. Mm-hmm. But I, for some reason, have this weird block, mm-hmm. and I've been trying to narrow it down. Like while I'm working and stuff, I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm just thinking to myself, like, what could have happened? I just, I think I narrowed it to getting bullied. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's where yeah. I narrowed it down to. So when you say block, what does the block look like? Because that's, that's the most important thing. Cause a block for me and a block for you may be very different. So uh-huh. what, do, when you say block, is it like, I'm not good enough? Is it what kind of self-talk are you saying? Because that's the thing is what this thing tells us creates our reality. So if it tells me that I'm going to have a horrible interview and it's going to be bad and I'm not going to do good at this and I won't know what to say, mm-hmm. then I'm going to be sitting there going, um, uh, well, yeah, uh, um, uh-huh. that kind of stuff <laughs> because now that's my reality. Mm-hmm. So what is, what's the thing that is getting in your way? What is the block that is stopping you? I just kind of feel like I have a, kind of a people pleasing type of thing going on. Okay. Um, because when I was getting oh, yeah. bullied, Reformed, oh, yeah. totally understand that <laughs> <laughs> when I was getting bullied by her, I never mm-hmm. would be able to stand up for myself. And even if I did yep. try, mm-hmm. I saw her every day. So yep. me retaliating like that would just make it worse. And I was mm-hmm. just trying to keep the peace as much as possible, mm-hmm. but it was so causing it me anticipation. Right. Mm-hmm. It became anticipation, but not only anticipation of you, of, of what was going to happen to you, but how can I, how can I future cast what they're going to do so I can become what they need so they leave me alone? Yeah. 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 That's honestly, been there. yeah. And been there, done that. And this is how I broke out of that. So. Going to getting a master's degree in social work is basically like getting five years of really, really, really expensive therapy. (laughs) (laughs) And and then I've been through therapy throughout the course of my life trying to unravel this stuff. And what I found was when it comes to bullying and the people pleasing piece, it really is about slowing down and stopping and reminding yourself that everybody is making it up as they go along. Every single person from the moment they wake up in the morning to the moment we all go to bed at night. We are all just taking in information and reacting accordingly. And the information, the way we take in the information is is the filter. It's the way that we look at the world. It's the story that we're telling ourselves. Like like for me, the biggest people-pleasing thing was even doing podcasts and starting this new business and doing all these things and even starting this my own individual private practice was always who's going to listen to me. What do I really know? I mean, I, I want I don't even listen to myself sometimes. So why would anyone else listen to me or think that I know what I'm talking about? And that's the story that I told myself, right? Is those kind of things. Yeah. But the more that you can prove yourself wrong by looking at that story and recognizing that it's false, because most of the time, the, the story, the fear story that we tell ourselves is wrong. 
And the reason why I say fear is because for me, that is what I've learned in my practice and in my life. That's where everything starts with me is, and it's not the feeling of fear. It's the biological us being in survival mode because human beings, we are still stuck in survival mode. We have been in survival mode for now 185,000 odd years or so or more since we've been on this planet and become this version of humanity where we're only 5,000 years out of being wandering tribes in most places, right? We're only 120 years out of the industrial revolution. And then we're only 50 years of being out of the computer revolution. And we're only about 15 years of being out of the smartphone revolution. And now we're into AI. So the world is compressing faster and faster and faster. More and more information comes at us all the time. And so it makes us extra anxious all the time because our brains are still wired for survival. So if we don't know, if there's no real lion that's coming after us to eat us or kill us, this still makes it up. The story we tell ourselves triggers the exact same process. The fear protocol, dump adrenaline, dump norepinephrine, dump all these things into our body to make us ready to fight to make us ready to run, to make us ready to freeze, to make us ready to fold. Whatever it is, it's whatever it is, is our way that we deal with things. That's what causes us to slow down and take that and, and, and not slow down because adrenaline makes us go, 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 do, 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 do so fast. But yet slowing it down is the most important thing to do. And so I want to teach you something actually right now and your viewers can learn that too. So, the way to slow down, the easiest way to do that is the first thing that changes when we are in adrenaline, when we are in fear, fight, or flight mode is our breathing. But luckily, breathing is the one thing, is the one automatic system we get to control all the time. We can, I can hold my breath right now if I want to, right? So what works is there's a process called box breathing. Have you ever heard of box breathing before? No, I have not. So what box breathing is, is it's basically you breathe in for four seconds from your diaphragm and you hold for four seconds. And then you breathe out for four seconds and you hold empty for four seconds. And you do that four times. So what the what box breathing does is your breathing changes first because your body's trying to hyperoxygenate to get you ready to run or fight or play dead or whatever it is you're trying to do. So if you need to play dead, you can hold your breath longer because you're just like skin divers do and they hyperoxygenate before they dive down so they can hold their breath longer. All these things are all survival tools that we have, but we're just using them for the goblins in our brain yeah, for the actual lions <laughs> that are trying to eat us in the wild. But that's the thing is this is amazing because It knows so much, but it doesn't know the difference between the lion in your head and the lion that's actually chasing you when you're out in the woods. It Mm -hmm. doesn't know the difference at all. And that's the problem because it only has one protocol, survival, which is fight or flight. So by, and so if you were going to be chased by a bear in the woods, would you think I need to hold my breath and breathe out and then hold my breath and breathe in and hold my breath and breathe out? Or would you be huffing and puffing and running as fast as humanly possible to get away? Probably running. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. But that's why when it's here and it's in your head, changing your breathing then stops the adrenaline process because 
80% of what we know, what, how we phys- view the world is comes from our body. This just processes the information. Mm-hmm. So if our, if our heart is beating faster because we're breathing really shallow, our brain interprets it as fear. So then it dumps adrenaline, which then makes our, if we're sitting still and we're not running or moving our arms, the adrenaline doesn't have anywhere to go except for to our guts, our heart, uh-huh. our lungs, and our brain. Because these are things that are always doing something. So then when that happens and we aren't box breathing, then the adrenaline gets stuck like this. And that's when you get stuck in analysis paralysis, where your brain starts spinning and spinning and spinning and spinning and spinning, and you can't break out of the spin. That's how you break out of the spin. By doing box breathing, it slows down your heartbeat. It slows down your breathing. It tells your brain, there is no tiger. There is no bear. There is no nothing trying to attack us. It's all up here. Slow down. So usually what I give people is what I call emotional management protocol, which is really simple. Box breathe, write out exactly what your brain is telling you, and you're going to hate it when you do it because you're going to look at it because then you're going to go do a little bit of exercise, power walk, do some jumping jacks, uh, sit-ups or something to get the adrenaline going to other parts of your body, and then go back and read what you wrote. Because when you go back and read what you wrote, you're going to be like, really? That, that's the story that I'm going to act on. That's the story. Seriously? That doesn't make even make any sense. Why would I think that's going on? <laughs> because it's what we do. Because the fear story, the physical fear story that our body is telling us is literally encoded in our DNA to survive. And it's all about, it thinks it's helping us. Mm-hmm. But in this modern world, Nope, it's not. It just makes us feel like we're going mad. Yeah, and overthink and assume. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, and gives us anxiety yes. that we don't need. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's one of learning, learning box breathing and teaching my clients to box breathe is one of the best things I've ever done because they use it all the time. And they're like, this is the best thing. Why didn't I ever know this? I'm like, I don't know. I just learned it a couple of years ago myself. And I've been doing this for 23 years. So believe awesome. me, it's one of those things, right? Where... It's amazing how by breathing properly, it changes how your body is processing everything. And that's the thing. Always reminding yourself that 80% of what's going on with me is coming from my neck down. This is just interpreting the signals. So if you can calm your body down, you can calm your mind down. And if you can calm those two things down, you can then recognize what you're thinking. And if you can recognize what you're thinking, you can then Decide, is this real or not? And 99% of the time, guess what you're going to find out that the story you're telling yourself is not true one bit. Liar, liar, pants on fire. (laughs) So insane. But I love that. I love how you put all that. That's, I think that's very digestible for everybody. I totally understand all of that, the way that you put it. I've had some practice and I also, it's, this is part of the reason why I try to let people know that the reason why I made my program 15 minutes a day or 1% of your day is because that's really all you need to do to get a handle on things. Because if you, if you imagine if you took five minutes, three times a day and you just focused on box breathing five minutes in the morning and doing a little bit of journaling at lunch, take a little break, do some meditation, box breathing, do a little journaling. 
And at the end of the day, you do the same thing. You're now aware of how you're feeling throughout the day and you're choosing how to flow through your day. And by doing that, it stops and slows down and allows you to then digest the feelings that you're having because you're giving yourself permission to, instead of, I can just push through the day, it'll be fine. I don't need to stop. I can just make it through. As long as I can make it to the end of the day, everything will be fine. But the problem with that is usually, no, it's not. No, it's not. We are more burned out than ever. We are less connected than ever and yet technology enables us to be super connected and yet not yeah all these things right all the wonderful amazingness of modern life and yet we are starved for real interpersonal authentic connection yeah yeah technology is killing that yeah Pretty sad. Why should I go to a high school reunion if I can just look up everybody on Facebook and yeah, or click stream like it. on their pictures? Or stream or it live. Or just stream it. Yeah. <laughs> Why should I go to a funeral and be around actual people if I can just get a stream camera? Why do I need to go be involved in a church or in an event if I can just stream it and give thumbs up and hearts and say, yay, everything is great, you know, and all yeah. that stuff. But at the same time, if it wasn't for COVID, the only good thing that I think came out of COVID is that it... it accelerated our ability as therapists and life coaches and stuff to do this kind of stuff and make it more normal because now I can connect with people that have are literally a hundred miles from any therapist and yet they can get the help that they need Yeah, because that's what is necessary. If you feel like you're stuck, if you feel like you're burned out, if you feel like you're exhausted, if you feel all of these things, don't wait for someday, do something today. Yeah. Take that step back. Take that breath. Get the tools you need so that you can get through any situation because they're available. They're out yeah. there. Yes. Um, you tell I'm a real big advocate for mental health. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> no, it's it's really important. Uh, I talked to a child therapist before mm-hmm. um, on the podcast, and she said that it's really important to have a mental checkup. Like we go to the doctor for a checkup, but it's important to also go for a mental checkup and no one thinks to do that. Yeah. You know, and I wish most of the time it's because, because I'm fine. That's what we tell ourselves. I could have used it as a kid. (laughs) Yeah. Right. I mean, and I was lucky enough that I got that because I was a really angry kid from about the ages of eight until about 13. Mm. And my parents really started noticing when I was about 11, that I was really angry all the time and I was really argumentative and I would want to fight hmm. about everything because I didn't feel like I had any control over my life. Yeah. I would have a constant physical symptoms of feeling sick about having to go to school or having to be around people and all these things. Yeah. And so they, they're like, okay, this is not, you're, there's nothing physically wrong with you. So it must be mental. It must be emotional. And so they sent me to a therapist and that's where I first fell in love with therapy because they taught me how to express my feelings and that I actually had feelings and that having feelings is okay. And all of, and all of that stuff, right? Because most of the time young boys are taught, suck it up. Don't cry. Get over it. You'll be fine. Just rub some dirt on it. Walk it off. Right. And it's those kind of things that when you take that ability to feel away from them and away from anybody, it handicaps them. Because then they have these things that are going on and they don't know what to do with it. So you put it into the most basic ones. I'm happy. I'm angry. I'm sad. Mm -hmm. That's it. 
for a long time, I thought those were the only three emotions that I had. And happy, I rarely used. Mostly, I was angry and sad. But I'm a little bit better now. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, it's crazy realizing that me being bullied for so long has affected me like this because I keep running into situations like that Mm -hmm. with other girls at workplaces. doesn't Mm -hmm. really matter where I work. There's always just somebody that's trying to attack me Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I'm just trying to work. Yes. There's always mean girls and I don't understand. I feel like they're just jealous or something. Mm -hmm. I don't know really why they would be jealous of me, but I'm just trying to Mm -hmm. do my own thing. I'm trying to just work because I asked for the job and I'm trying to just put in my best work and go home. But But also that right there could be the very reason because you're trying to do your own thing and you know that you're doing your own thing. And maybe they got, maybe they got put into it because they, because their dad or their parent was that this is what you need to do. This is how you can survive. These kind of things is most of the time bullying is not about the person that's being bullied. It's Mm -hmm. about the person that is the bully because there again, it comes back to the the saying hurt people hurt people. I was just going to say that. It's that it is, it is that. And it's, it, it sounds so like, well, well, of course, well, that makes so much sense, but it's so true. And it's Mm -hmm. especially true when you get bullied or when people are coming after you, because when they see you being as authentic as you can be, they don't like that because they don't feel like they can be authentic. So what do they try to do? They try to extinguish your light because if I can't be that way, then no one's going to be that way. It's that kind of mentality. And it's really frustrating when that happens because like I didn't, I didn't do anything to deserve it. What did I do? All I was trying to do was do my job, be your friend, be a nice person, be a good human. Why are you crapping all over me? Yeah. What is your deal? Yeah. And usually and then, it's that. Yeah. And then dealing with this so young and everything and just mm-hmm. like keeping everything inside and not yeah. retaliating because you want to try and mm-hmm. keep the peace. Yeah. It's the same thing over and over and over mm-hmm. and over. Yeah. And it's just creating a lot of anxiety. And then I get crazy Mm -hmm. in my head and I can't think straight after a while. It sucks. Because the fear fear builds up. Because now going to work and knowing you're going to see that person makes it extra hard. Being around home, knowing you're going to see that person makes it extra hard because you don't want to rock the boat. Because you you, you don't want them to see that they're affecting you even though they are affecting you so deeply that you're like, how can they not see it? There's like a neon sign above yeah. my head. <laughs> so they obviously know they're getting to me. And that's not the case either. Again, it comes back to the story we tell ourselves is the most important thing that we have to change. It's the only way to begin to break out of people pleasing, depression, anxiety. The fear story that we tell ourselves is the thing. That's why Journaling is so, so important because mm-hmm. up here in the emotional part of our brain, which is this half of our brain, the story lives there and it changes and morphs with whatever situation is going on Yeah, this fast. <laughs> yeah. But when you put it on the page, when you write it in your phone, when you record a video talking to yourself about what you're feeling, when you do these kind of things, it's real now. It can't change unless you hit delete, unless you hit edit, unless you do those things, unless you take out the pencil and erase the stuff and change the narrative. 
That's why having it and seeing it lets you recognize the flaw. Because when you're reading it, when you see it, when you hear it, it's now coming into your brain, through your eyes, into the logic center so you can process it before it goes to emotion. Instead of just swirling around in emotion, telling you the same story 75 million times and you're going, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. You're right. You're completely right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I am that way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's why taking that time, even just using 15 minutes a day to slow down, take that breath, take stock, make sure that you know where you, you are going, where you want to go and you're being who you want to be. That's the most important thing because we all have the ability to change. Mm -hmm. Everybody does. If I didn't believe that, I wouldn't be doing this. I wouldn't have been doing this for the last 23 years. Actually, I've probably been doing this my whole life because I've always felt that way about people is as long as you take the time to slow down and analyze your input, right? It's garbage in, garbage out. Mm -hmm. That's what happens. Yeah. I'm going to be using that box breathing method and I'm box trying to get better great. with journaling. Box breathing is great. Yeah. Write it out. But I'd say do it literally in the moment. Like, after you box breathe, just write a quick note mm -hmm. for yourself. Just a quick note. It doesn't have to be a paragraph. It doesn't have to be, you know, 15 pages long. It can be a sentence. Okay. I feel this way about this situation. Mm -hmm. Nice and simple. Two sentences. It allows you to then box breathe, calm down, put it there, go do something else, come back and look at it and go, but I have no reason to feel that way. I have no reason to feel like I'm a fake, like I'm a fraud, like everyone's going to find out I'm making it up as I go along. Oh, wait a minute. Isn't that what we're all doing anyway? <laughs> wait a minute. That's just what I did this entire interview. Huh? Isn't that fun? Because <laughs> we are. You and I, this is not scripted. We're making yeah. this up. Oh, yeah. Isn't that, it's nice to think that way, right? Mm -hmm. You don't have to be on all the time. You don't have to be perfect all the time. We are all making it up. And the more that you recognize that, the more you can release the need to please. Mm -hmm. Because people pleasing doesn't work. No. I have never been more happy than when I stopped people pleasing. It took me 38 years to figure it out and getting a degree in psychology, going through a lot of therapy, being married to a therapist and having kids to get me to change my brain to go, oh, I don't need to please everybody. I can't please everybody. It's yeah. an impossibility because mm -hmm. no matter what you do in life, everybody's going to have an opinion about you for good or bad or neutral. And guess what? It's their opinion. Yep. What can you do about that? All you can do is be you. Either they like you or they don't. It's not your problem to make them like you. Yep. That was the hardest lesson I had to learn is it's not my job to make people like me. Either they will or they won't. And that says more about them than it does about me because mm -hmm. this is me. I don't know who else, how to be anything else but this. I was somebody else for so long that being me is the most freeing thing I've ever done ever. Because it's so easy. Because now I don't have to remember, okay, who was I with that person? Okay, let me try and remember what mask I was wearing at that time. I can't remember. I'll just make it up. Right? It's exhausting. Yeah. Definitely exhausting. It's it's much more easy to be your authentic self. <laughs> it is. That's what I prefer. But it's also hard too, right? It's also yeah, hard. Yeah, it's hard when you get all these the people. Fear. 
around yeah. you. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. of the fear of, well, this person doesn't like me for some reason. Okay. Yeah. Just, it's okay. Mm -hmm. What can you do? You're always going to run into people that are going to be unhappy in their lives and then hurt people, hurt people. So it's always reminding yourself, okay, mm -hmm. when I see this person and they're acting this way, slow down, take that breath, write down my story, recognize who I am, where I am, and how I want to be. Because the most important thing you can do is change the way you set your goals and make them daily. Mm -hmm. That took a long time for me to learn too. Changing my goals to a, a single personal daily goal and a single professional daily goal was the best choice and change I've ever made in my life when it comes to me being a happy human being. Because I tried so long to have the goal lists of 15 to 20 different goals of all the things I'm going to do and how amazing everything's going to be. And it just was exhausting trying to keep track of it all. Yeah. <laughs> so I changed my goals to one and one. My one personal goal is when I'm with people, be present. Yeah. Be there. Mm -hmm. Don't think about other things. Don't get sucked into your phone. Be present. Because I learned that after the death of my mother. I wish I would have been there more. Because it's yeah. amazing how it takes death to make that happen, right? Yeah, exactly. And my professional goal switched to instead of, because I worked for 10 years doing phone therapy with people. And it was exhausting because they had, because they were on Medicare and Medicaid in California, mm -hmm. trying to live on $1,500 a day. And it was my job to try to give them as many resources as possible to try to have a life that isn't just struggle. It's an impossible situation because number one, you're living in California yeah, and $1,500 a month is impossible to live on pretty much anywhere these days. But in California, it's extra impossible. Oh yeah. And so going through that, I was burning out of my profession. I could barely do it anymore, but I had to rearrange my goal. And my goal became, if I can just get one person to have that little light bulb flicker above mm -hmm. their head, and it's if I see it, it doesn't matter if the other person sees it. It's if I see it. Because if I see it, I know that we're on the right track. Mm -hmm. And to keep moving them that way until they then see it. And then they can begin to make that change. Because that's what change is, right? It's yeah. you and I sharing stories and saying, hey, what do you think about this? Have you ever thought about doing that? Well, no, I've never thought about that before. Give it a mm -hmm. try. Let me see. Come back next week and we'll see how it is. Mm -hmm. Okay, that sounds great. Let's do that. Yep. And then they come back and they're like, wow, that really changed the way I think about things. Or wow, I, that really didn't do much for me. What else you got? And it's mm -hmm. those kind of things. It's just testing it out until you find the thing that works for you. Yeah. Just therapy, life coaching, meditation, journaling, all the different things that we try to do to heal ourselves, reading a billion self-help books, whatever it is, it takes time. Yeah, definitely And we often does. don't give ourselves that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's definitely, you got to put in the work for self-development, but it's yeah. one of my favorite hobbies in the world. Yeah. <laughs> I love it, but. Because um, the payoff is amazing, right? Yeah. When you finally have that breakthrough and you're like, wow, how, how did I not live like this forever? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, and I've dealt with a lot of crazy roommate situations where yep. they just put me back into that spiral, spiral people pleasing thing. 
So I'm just developing from then on. I've been in financial services for three years. So I've been in self-development mindset work for three years. Um, But I've seen differences, definitely. Yeah. Um, Yeah. The biggest takeaway I can give you from all the stuff we've talked about is just remind yourself that we're all making it up as we go along, that nobody has the answer. Mm -hmm. People can give you prompts and give you roads you can try. But the only person that gets to walk down it and figure out what works for you is you. Yes. And that when it comes to bullying or it comes to mean girls or mean boys or just mean people, it's them, not you. So try to look at them with compassion, which is really hard when really what you want to do is slap them or punch them in the face. But, yeah. You know. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Um, yeah, I'm a pretty spiritual person, so I like to do the meditations and I'm yeah. trying to get better at journal writing. I bring it around yeah. with me a lot more. Um, yeah. And like I mentioned before, we started recording. I will let you know how this Reiki healing goes that I scheduled yeah. um, because I think it's going to do some good. <laughs> yeah. If anything, it will allow you to access and unlock those places that you've kept locked because you're giving someone permission to help you release it. Yeah. And that's, again, just like what therapy and life coaching and most things is, is if you give somebody else permission to help push you in a way that you didn't know you needed to go. For me, it's my kids. They push me in ways that I needed to grow and change in ways that I never knew I needed to grow and change. And it happens multiple times a day, every day, whether I want it to or not. And so <laughs> it's those kind of things, right? And it's every time I see my clients, every time I work with different people, it gives me a different perspective. Therapy and being a therapist and being a life coach for me has always been about, I get as much out of it as you do from me, because mm-hmm. you change my mind and my perspective as much as I change your mind and your perspective, because that should be the human experience. Yeah, I agree. For sure. Well, it has been a pleasure talking to you today. I really <laughs> love that conversation. I enjoyed it too. Uh, you'll be back anytime i got lots more stuff in my head (laughs) i'll take you up on that for sure um i think a lot of people got a lot of value out of that sorry if you're my dog bark just now but it's okay (laughs) um yeah that was a pleasure thank you so much for being on here clint um let me catch up with you after this uh and i will put all of your information in the description of the episode but where can people find you sure uh people can find me so if you're tired of feeling stuck and you want to change your life, uh, I am doing my life coaching thing. It's the small changes, big impact, 1% per day transformational system. What it does, it's going to teach you how to take accountability. Uh, it's going to teach you how to learn over 30 different psychological tools to make small changes in the areas of your life of time, connections, emotions, and purpose. You can find me at smallchangesbigimpact.net backslash info. And on that website, you'll get more information. There's a link to a free 20-minute training on burnout, or you can just set up a phone call with me. You can also find me on Facebook and Instagram at smallchangesbigimpact.thenumber4 and the letter U. Okay, great. Yeah, that'll be in the description of the episode. Thank you so much for stopping by today. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Have a good one, guys. Please like, review, and subscribe to this podcast. And follow me on Instagram at Dana.Hernandez.Agent, as well as checking out our new website, GetSmartWithMoneyPodcast.com.